Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Howdy, folks. Welcome back. Hey, I don't know uh, what the weather's like where you are, but out here, the calendar might say May, but the weather says Groundhog Day. It is just ridiculous here. You know what else is unexpected? That you make a news release and traffic to your website goes down. Yep, it happens. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Our guest is going to solve that mystery for us and help you figure out how to avoid that awkward situation. And I've got nothing else to start with, so we're going to dive right into it. Hans Kasper Setz is the founder and president of Arteric, a digital agency for biotech and pharma built on a foundation of state-of-the-art software engineering. Hans is a lifelong software developer intent on driving change in the life sciences and healthcare. Hans, welcome back for your third visit, world record, to LSMR. Wow, yeah, thanks, Chris. It's, it's really good to be here, and, and thank you so much. It's, uh, it's a real honor to be back for a third time. <laughs> so I'm excited about uh, today because this one will be exciting for the data nerds and anybody else involved in product launches, or other big announcements, even if you never look at the data. So we're going to talk about how to prepare for big announcements and strategically anticipate the search dynamics around those and how the announcements can impact visitors to your site. That's a mouthful. But <laughs> as always, to, you we'll try to have cover a, in a half hour, right? Yeah, you are... Uh, knee deep in the data and you've noticed an interesting pattern in search results when a brand makes a big announcement. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, no, it's it's really, really interesting. Um, so at Arteric, we're fortunate to work with a really wide spectrum of clients, right? Like everything from small biotech that have a single molecule all the way through to uh, several very large, well-known biotechs with, you know, sort of market capitalization in excess of $100 billion. And what that allows us to do it and, and it gives us access to is a lot of the data about how they perform online in search and then what are the impact of uh, their announcements. And so last year we we're working on a project. It's, it's a, it's, it was a recurring project. So we sort of started to get a really good feel for the data. Right, which is when you start to be able to get insights about things because you see patterns, you th see things move in sort of unexpected ways. And we were, there was a series of announcements that this client made that we expected to drive a significant amount of traffic to their websites, right? And you know, so and I love experiments where the hypothesis is is disproven, right? Yeah. <laughs> because it means you're actually finding something of interest, right? So we're like, okay, this announcement's going to happen. Um, fortunately, we don't know when the announcements are going to happen. So the PR team does it it's oftentimes. Uh, sometimes we're clued in, right? It depends on the nature of the announcement. And we're looking at the search analytics data, right? In this particular case, it happened to be Google Analytics. But, you know, whether you're on Adobe or any other platform, it doesn't matter. And we're watching that 
and we're watching the ranking, rank tracking data. So where do they actually fall in Google's search results for a specific set of, of keywords, right? And what we're expecting is through the announcement, the uh, ranking to remain flat and traffic to spike. And what we actually saw was that global interest in the brand rose really quickly. So you saw a nice spike in global interest, right? Search volume around the brand. And simultaneous to that, we saw traffic fall to the brand and search ranking for the brand fall. And then that effect lasted for about one week following the announcement. And we were really surprised because we assumed that this particular client is our other client. We assumed about our other clients would be able to control and sort of own all of that traffic because they were the newsmakers. Right. So, um, so search volume increases, people are interested. So where is it all going if, if it's not going to their site? Well, yeah. And that was, so that was the big question, right? We're, we're sitting around scratching our heads. And before we even started that process, we then went back into the data and started looking to see if this was like a one-off anomaly or, you know, had, did this happen before and we just missed it. And then we started to do some measurement around like, you know, is this a statistically, you know, sort of significant, highly correlated, you know, sort of event, right? And we looked at, you know, a year's worth of, of announcements for this client. And then we saw this pattern. And then we went and actually took a look at data for other similarly sized clients. And we saw the same pattern. And it was at that point, you know, sort of pulling on those threads, right? That curiosity drove us, right? That we started to ask us, like, ask ourselves what was happening. And our research showed that when the, uh, and, and I guess before I say that, what was interesting about it was it was so temporarily short, the fact that they only f sort of lost rank for a week and then it came back. That's the reason we had missed it previously because we were looking at data set, you know, sort of average periods of longer than a week for the ranking and traffic data, right? We weren't looking at what happened in that one you know, sort of small slice of time. So right. we went and and we started to look at the search results and we have tools where we can actually scrape the search results so we can track what's in what position every day for a period of time. And this particular client, we decided to set up an experiment, this client, you know, around one of their big announcements, the client made a big announcement. We watched the search results and where we expected the press release to rank, it did. And then a whole bunch of news outlets flooded into that search result and other websites and when all of those sort of uh, current event-driven sites, news particularly, flooded in, they actually crowded out the brand, right, this particular client, thus dropping their traffic, dropping their rank, and they put them in a position where they lost control of the dialogue, right? So it was a news-making event that they should have had influence on and control over, and as soon as they launched they sort of got crowded out and all of these other outlets were able to take advantage of that and pull all of that traffic and, and, and users. Right. So of course you, you want that media traffic, you want the word to get out. And, but when you talk about losing control, what, what's the cost of that? I mean, what, it, 
what are they missing by the fact that everybody's going to read their story somewhere else and may or may not eventually come back to their site? Yeah, this, uh, that's a great question, right? And, and we started to think about that, right? So the risks are a couple, right? Um, first of all, you know, as, you know, communications people, marketing people, right? We spend an inordinate amount of time and effort and money in crafting the message in a way that sort of, you know, sort of delivers what what's really important from our perspective. And the issue is that when media takes that over, they spin it with whatever particular agenda they have. So, you know, if you have short sellers in the market, they're going to spin it one way. If you have, you know, folks who are, are, are long on your stock, they're going to spin it another way. Uh, if you have, you know, competitors, they're going to spin it, you know, there's, and just even the press, I mean, if you look at, you know, sort of across the spectrum of, of news outlets and business outlets, they're going to spin it each in their own way. And the essence of what you're trying to communicate can get lost, right? Because it's now right. part of their agenda. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that is not helpful. And of course, you want to take advantage of this spike in search volume to drive traffic to learn more and, and hit your message on your site. So what can brands do to minimize that impact or otherwise take advantage of the news that they are getting? Yeah. yeah. And I want to be really clear. Like we want that press coverage, right? We want to be yeah. a part of that, right? Because they're essentially syndicating your message to a much broader audience than, than we would typically have access to, right? So I'm not suggesting by any means that uh, we don't want to be a part of that dialogue. All I'm suggesting, I think, on that point, point is that we want to be able to protect a reasonable amount of share of voice on the particular announcement that we're making, right? So we want to be a participant and we want to be a part of that sort of media ecosystem as a clear sort of voice, right? And of course, your PR folks can help out with that, right? Through interviews and uh, other things. Uh, but, but, but from a technical perspective, right? So when we did the work and we started to really research this idea, there's a couple of things that came up. The, the first one is that we noticed that um, the brands were not doing enough work to create an authoritative position in search to continue to be present in search when there was an influx of, of news outlets. In other words, they were authoritative, say, on their brand name, or, you know, and, and what I mean by authoritative is lots of backlinks. Uh, the, they had a lot of content around the topic, uh, and, and it was expertly written, and they were already gaining traffic on it and, and ranking well, not only on sort of the idea or the phrase that they were intending to rank for, but they were also ranking well for all of the sort of tangentially related, all of like the second order ideas, right? So, so you know, authority comes from a, a number of factors, right? How long you've been in the market, how long you've been publishing on a topic, the quality of the content that you publish on the topic, the breadth of content, and how many people have, you know, sort of linked to it or uh, referenced it as authoritative, right? And sort of those are basic 
SEO factors, right? Right. And what we were talking about was that oftentimes brands and 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 companies don't do enough to prepare the market with sort of tangentially related content that would cr- help to create the foundation for the new announcement, whatever the big announcement is to perform well, right? So, you know, there's the strategic part is, you know, in the weeks uh, leading up to a big announcement, you want to start your market shaping activities with content that is related to the topic you're going to announce on, but might not be that topic, right? So, you know, in, you know, we might talk about this as in terms, you know, if this were for pharma or biotech, right? Disease state education, right? Yeah. If we're talking about it uh, for a diagnostics company, we might start talking about the technology behind the diagnostic and how that technology is different and why that di- that diagnostic could potentially meet an unmet need in the market, right? Yeah. Uh, if we're talking about devices, you know, there's the story behind the patents and the intellectual property and the specific challenges in the market that they may uh, serve, right? So, you know, in the case of uh, laser dentist, laser dental devices, right? There's different kinds of technology behind the lasers and why, you know, those, those technologies work in different ways and which markets they uh, serve, right? So, that's the kind of second order and third order content that should be produced leading up to a big announcement so that when you make your big announcement, you can have the internal site structure and breadth and depth of content that you are authoritative on that topic. So that as all the news outlets, you know, sort of flood in and blogs and other kinds of things, you're able to withstand that onslaught of new syndicated content and keep your position. That's one way. That's the that's the long and smart way. It's, it's the more <laughs> cost. It's the more costly way, but it is also the the way of building a brand, right? On uh, whatever that brand is, because it's not only, you know, you don't only have to demonstrate expertise in your unique value prop and your reasons to believe on your product, but you need to be able to back it up with a, a sort of a commitment to that community and that you know that need. The, the shorter, sort of more aggressive way to do it is to make sure that you have a pay-per-click campaign or a media campaign that's going to support the, uh, the press release or announcement or whatever the content is that's coming out, right? One of the mistakes we see folks make is they launch the press release or the content making, the news making announcement but they don't have a paid campaign already teed up and ready to go so that as soon as they, you know, press go or publish on the press release and it gets syndicated, they have ads up and running pointing at that press release or the content that supports it, right? Now, those yeah. campaigns are, are supposed to be short-lived, right? But they're going to be really impactful, right? Because you're basically going to try to buy your way to the top of the search results. You're not going to be relying on your position in the organic search results, which is the body of the page. You're going to try to buy it at the top. And then you should really adopt sort of a, we're going to pay whatever it costs per click to be there uh, strategy within reason. Yeah. And we're going to bid for position 
versus bidding for, say, conversions or clicks or something else, right? We just want to make sure that a link and the snippet that we controlled are present in the search results when that newsmaking event happens. And then, you know, we talked about this, right? So those media outlets flood in for about a week. We see our organic rank drop. We see our traffic drop for about a week. And then when that starts to come back up to normal and nominal a week later, given that there's not some crazy controversy that erupts about it, uh, you can turn off those campaigns or you can dial them back to be more performance or conversion oriented rather than just awareness oriented. Yeah, that makes total sense. You answered the question I had was, if you make all this tangential content on its own, let's say before you do a pay-per-click campaign, how much does that help? I mean, obviously, I mean, you're kind of buffering yourself a little bit against this drop because you have some more content on that particular topic. I think it helps in a couple of ways. And, and I think it really, you know, I like to say that there is no, uh, you, you can't generally optimize something, right? That's a, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> you, every, every project where we're going to optimize for something, right? Whether it's optimizing device design, optimizing the customer experience at like, say, a checkout counter or optimizing, you know, content online, it requires that you are anticipating uh, a particular need in the market and then a set of market dynamics that are going to impact your ability to deliver against that, right? And they're always different. So the amount of content you need to generate and the amount of authority you need to sort of establish is truly based on the competitiveness of that particular topic, right? I mean, if we were trying to, you know, rank content for the keyword psoriasis, it would take years of effort. It would be very difficult to unseat like Mayo Clinic and Wikipedia and, uh, you know, um, you know, pick any of any Cleveland Clinic, et cetera. Right. Right. Um, But if you're in a really narrow sort of topic where there's not a lot of other people, let's say a, a specific uh, you know, therapy, novel therapeutic target where you're going to be first in class, then you know, it requires less effort, but it requires much deeper scientific knowledge and medical knowledge to do it effectively, right? Because for topics that are considered your money or your life, right? These are topics that Google and search engines give quite a bit more scrutiny to, uh, especially on the authority side and on the ranking side. Uh, you, you need to be able to put the effort in. Now, all of that said, which is a, a lot of a lot of words, um, the the impact is tremendous because the you you're able to better defend the news announcement, right? And the way you do that is that you then use all of these pieces of content that you've published to do the market shaping work, and then you update them with links to the press release or the piece of content that you just launched, the news making content. And you're able to instantaneously create an internal net uh, linking structure that gives authority to that page and actually transmits some of the equity that you've built up on all of that other content to that piece of new content, right? Now, you can't do it in a sort of spammy, gross way where, you know, it's like you're 
you know, packing these links in and packing the key, you know, the words into the anchor links into the way you, you go back and forth, but understand that every piece of content affects every other piece of content in, on your website and that they have a relationship and that the way they work together dr- dramatically impacts how um, the, the search algorithms see them, particularly the index, the indexing algorithms and, the, and what they, there they're looking for, not only, you know, what are the different topical densities on each page, but then how are those topics arranged to each other, right, against each other? And then what is the taxonomy that that creates for that particular topic? There's all sorts of interesting research on this, uh, you know, scholarly work on, 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 on natural language processing and on, on the way uh, language affects each other that, that drive this. But really, what, I think yeah, I've, I've, which I've we talked about the last there. time you were on here. So yeah. that brings up a question. So you kind of surprised me there. You talked about updating that tangential content with links to the press release. And I was fully expecting you to say the press release should have links to the tangential content. Yes so, or no. <laughs> so, I mean, you can, but then imagine, let's say you built 10 or 15 pieces of content in the lead up to your press release. And then you launch the press release and you only have outbound links from the press release to the 10 or 15 pieces of content. On all of the trust flow and authority flow and equity would be only moving from the press release to all of those other pages. Right. Right. And what you actually want to do is take all of the trust flow and um, uh, equity that has been granted to each of those 10 pages and then transfer some fraction of that to the press release because the press release becomes the most important thing. So imagine it's like a pyramid and the press release is at the very top of the pyramid. And what's interesting about that is that if you do that correctly and through the syndication services, which won't get you any equity, but will will get you some traffic, you also link to that press release. And then through your social channels, you link to that press release, you can see that sort of you're going to focus all of that energy on that single most piece of important piece of content and create the foundation. Think of it as a pyramid with all of those supporting pieces at the bottom and the, and the, and the press release at the top uh, to hold it up, to support it through the, the sort of the onslaught of news into those, into those search results. Right. So I understand all of that. But now you're shining the light on the press release, which will get you more search volume, which will take more people to the syndicated site. So how, how I'm missing something. How does it get? Oh, you, no, the press release <laughs> needs to be on your site, Chris. I mean, okay, I you're going to you're going to launch it on your site in your newsroom as well as uh, on the, through the syndicated sites. And, you know, the piece that I want to be careful of is don't only think about this in terms of press releases. Right. I mean, press releases are a special are a special kind of content because they're somewhat devalued by Google uh, because they're they're thin and they're specifically designed to attract interest and particularly yes. their in, their their specific their specific utility is to raise awareness of an event to a news making to a, to the news media right they're yes. not actually generally designed for the public right. I mean, yeah, and they're not valuable content in and of themselves. 
Exactly. Right. There, the, what, what I think that the conversation should be generalized to is that any piece of content that is news making or is, has the ability to move the market is the thing we want to focus the effort and energy on. If in fact you're a publicly traded company or you're, I mean, let's, I mean, we should probably avoid that because then that stuff is hosted on IR sites and not generally in your newsroom. But the, uh, the, the, if you have a big announcement, like, uh, like you are going to run a news story on your site, that is the, the kind of content or in the case of your and mine, right? I mean, when, when we launched this, uh, this, this podcast, right on your site, Yep. Let's imagine all the press is going to be interested in it. It would have been useful for you and I to have written a couple of smaller blog articles talking about maybe 250 to 1,000 words each, right? Talking about the, the, the building block concepts that we're discussing today at a strategic level, right? So tactically, there's a bunch of topics here that if we had written about and then published in the, like the last three weeks and then when we launched the blog, the, the 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 podcast on your site we linked all of those to the podcast that podcast would do much better in in yeah. search right yes got it i love what we've been talking about so far so how do we you know find the data look at the data and use the data to inform how we're going to develop a strategy around big announcements yeah this is this is by far and this is where i'm I'm really going to geek out if I haven't already been geeking out for the last 20 minutes or so. Um, we get, we pull data from a couple of places, okay? First of all, um, we look really, really closely at uh, Google trend data for topics. Uh, they have an API that allows us to pull that data directly into Google spreadsheets in, you know, from Google Apps, which is really useful to us. And we, we can pull about 18 months worth of data. Then we look at data that comes out of Google Search Console. And oftentimes what we're looking for is the uh, verbatim searches, the query data. So we're looking to see what are people actually searching for? What are the words they're actually using in search? Then we look at pay-per-click data if it exists. Again, we're looking at the search terms report there uh, so that we can see what people are actually, actually searching. And what's interesting about that is that uh, the search console data and the search terms data both can be pulled by API directly into a spreadsheet. And, um, and you can get plugins for this in the store uh, for, for, Google, for Google Apps, right? So this doesn't take any programming. Like you're just your regular analytics people can generally do this. Um, and we are looking for impressions and we're looking for clicks, right? And we're looking for cost. We're, we're trying to get a sense for how competitive those spaces are. And we happen to be able to look at a lot of data when we do this. We have we built a number of tools, uh, latent semantic analysis and natural language processing tools in order to sort of map these topics and understand them better. Some of our people that we work with actually just do it in the spreadsheet and eyeball it and just search for the words. Once we understand the baseline, right? So what are people actually searching for? How much volume is there? How often do they click? That gives us the basis then we go and build content from that based on what people have actually demonstrated they've been interested in. And we do this other practice where we then will take the most important second order keywords 
and we'll go to search and we'll run those searches and we'll look at the top 10 websites and we'll map out what content uh, is there already and we'll make a decision on whether we think we can beat it or not and what kind of content we need to beat it or at least what kind of content do we need to be highly competitive with it. And, you know, there's some subjectivity here, but, you know, we've been doing it for a long time. And when you take all of those different things, what it does is it's, 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 a, it's a competitive analysis for a topic. It gives us, tells us what we need to write about to be competitive there, because we can contextualize that topic in a way that will support whatever it is we want to achieve in the market with our announcement. And then we look at the data around how people actually behave and that gives us our baseline, right? So those are, are the three main areas uh, that we do, that we look at. And then, of course, if our client has access to market research and ATUs and, and other kinds of market research, we'll look at that data. And sometimes, for some clients, we'll also do sort of a full social media assessment and take a look at how people are talking about it in in social, whatever it is. But we do a lot of work for... for uh, targeting HCPs so there's less of that available. Right. So this is really interesting because um, I'm not a data person. I'm a content person, but um, you've just laid out a nice story about how looking at the data can help you determine the right content to make, which is something I know everybody's always wondering, like, are we making the right stuff? What should we make? We don't, we don't even know where to start. So Hans Casper says, this has been another informative, highly informative conversation with you. And I want to thank you for coming back again. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, and, uh, hopefully we can do this again. I'd love to continue my world record, uh, status as a guest on your show. Next May, next May, the Indy 500 and Hans Casper sets. That's what happens in May. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Chris. All right. Well, that's what data can do for you. I thought that was really fascinating, and I always appreciate Hans coming on because he obviously looks at a lot of data and always has some interesting lessons to share because of it. As you know, I love making podcasts, and I love sharing these stories. This is super fun. If you've been thinking about a podcast but not sure how to get started or what kind of content you want to make, I would be happy to have that conversation with you and get you up and running. You can, of course, find me on my website, lifesciencemarketingradio.com, or email me, chris, at that same domain, and uh, let's have a chat. Now, here's an interesting little story. I walk out on the pool deck this morning, and two guys, two of my buddies are having a little conversation, and I hear the first one say, well, how do you find out about podcasts? And the other one gives them the absolute correct answer, and that is you ask other people about podcasts. So you all know the answer to this already. If you enjoyed this podcast, you know somebody who else who would enjoy this podcast as well. Tell two of those folks, and I very much appreciate it, and I will be back in two weeks. Bye-bye. <laughs>